the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowspo. Well, we got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, we are going to lead off with some good stuff uh, before we get to the bad stuff. Um, field hockey, final four. How about it, huh? Heck yeah. Yeah, I mean, and thank God. I mean, do we need to, how much, to, <laughs> how, how bad do we all need this? Um, Northwest, Northwestern nation furiously pouring over field hockey stats and strategy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and well-deserved too. I mean, this is a team that is, I mean, you, you want to call it a Cinderella run. It's really just an amazing run. I mean, this is a team that frankly, you look at the, the the way the season's played out. You look at Big Ten accolades for certain players, right? This is a team that is was the seventh seed, you know, in the tournament, seventh ranked team in the, you know, I guess the number seven team in the tournament. But you you look through and you're like, this is a team that hasn't lost a game, you know, a match in regulation since September. Um, you have to go, I think potentially even farther back to find the last time they lost by more than one goal if they even have I don't they think haven't they, they haven't i don't think yeah they haven't so this is a team that has just been awesome all year that you know lost to michigan by a by a shootout whisker in the big 10 tournament lost to michigan in double overtime lost to pet like this the short is this is just an awesome team with three first and second team all big 10 players that is has played well all year, but is playing its very best field hockey right now. Yeah. Knocking off Iowa in Iowa at the end of October and then going back to Iowa City um, and beating Iowa again on their home field. Uh, one nothing, scoring a goal in the last minute of play. Um, you know, just a hell, hell of a you know, finish. Um, and I, be- I believe it was Iowa that knocked the cats out of the of the uh, NCAA last year. Um, I could be wrong about that, but it just it feels like you know some sweet revenge on on a team that's kind of you know had the cats number the last couple seasons as they, as they've risen up. But what's especially exciting is Northwestern is in really prime position in the Final Four here. They're matching up with Harvard next, who. Um, should not be underestimated, especially because they they knocked off Michigan in their semifinal, but is the lowest seeded team left in the tournament. And going on the other going side, in as the 12th seed, right? Yep. And then on the other side of the bracket, uh, Maryland and Liberty are playing in the other semifinal. Those are both teams that Northwestern has beaten. So this is like this is a great setup for you know this incredible Northwestern team to. Um, potentially get to a national championship to potentially win a national championship. It's really exciting. And I believe this is, this is the first time under Tracy Fuchs that they've made it this far. Correct. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's like their fifth time ever first since I think 94 and first time under Tracy Fuchs um, there. I think the, you know, if you, if you go, you know, all season long, Benta Bakers has been the, the big, you know, the biggest star on the team. I mean, first team, all big 10 players, she's leading the cats in points, um, just an, an excellent player. Maddie Zimmer has, I would say, she also is first team Big Ten. She has arguably the highlight of the season, that ridiculous coast-to-coast goal um, to, I believe, was that to beat, who was that? Was that to beat Iowa? No, it was um, to go up 2-0 on North Carolina. That's that what was it was, the, to go up, yeah, to the go dagger up to, against to, North Carolina. To put, to put North Carolina away. I mean, just an, an amazing, amazing display. Just an, an amazing run. Um, it's, I mean, you, it's funny again, you know, we alluded off the top, but we're all becoming field hockey experts in a very short period of time. And one of the things you learn is not a lot of goals in field hockey. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not like lacrosse. There's it's not, like, it's like your other, your second love soccer, John. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, you, um, there's the, the guy whose name's escaping me for Tottenham who had that unbelievable coast to coast goal earlier in the season. So it's kind of like that when you have someone do that kind of individual display of excellence. It's, it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, it's, it's awesome. And the, it's funny, I think, you know, field hockey was ranked so early in the season. They, they were ranked really highly. I remember they were honored at some point, um, 
during one of the football games. And everyone went nuts because I think they were ranked really highly at the time. And then they had those two just kind of backbreaking losses in overtime in a row. And that kind of deflated things a little. And then they obviously rocketed back into everyone's consciousness when they upset the number one team in the nation in Iowa City. And since then, they have just been white hot. So yeah, on to Ann Arbor. And this is, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, Friday afternoon, 2 o'clock Central. Um, John, I did want to ask you a, a question, though. Uh, you said they were honored at the football. What is football? I, I, who, who can know? I, I, all I know this, this weekend, I'm told uh, Northwestern Field Hockey is playing one and possibly two games. Uh, and, and that's fantastic. And that's, I'm sure, what we're, we're all going to be focused on. Uh, yeah, I know. It's uh, there. I mean, I, I'm just. Did you, I, mean, you mean foosball? Foo foosball? <laughs> yeah. No, fo- football is life. Yeah, foot- football, football is, is life. life. Yeah, well, and to that, we we just hit the dog on the penalty shot, Sammy, to continue <laughs> I think, your Yeah, I think, I think we might have. Um, yeah, so 35-7, to 7, t- losing to Wisconsin, you know, 3-7 and seven on the season. Um, I mean, I mean it's... There really isn't a lot to, to break down here. I, I mean, like, I, it's, I, bad. I was, it's bad. It's bad. It's. I mean, like, so I'll say this, and I, I didn't opine that much because, you know, obviously I, I dropped in on you guys unexpected last week. But, like, it's bad. It's certainly been worse. Um, It should get better, just like reversion to the mean. Northwestern should get somewhat better next year. But there's a lot of really scary things on the roster. But I think, like, the overarching thing, and John, you unearthed um, a pretty fascinating stat earlier today that, that really underscores this. I mean, 2019 and now 2021, this team is – they're not when, just when bad. We, when we lose, we lose. Yeah. like Well, and it's not just bad. It's boring and bad. And that's that's really problematic. That is what – I mean, that's what our buddy Jay Sharman has been harping on um, a lot this year in, in, in the conversations he's been having with folks because, like, if you're bad – I mean, if you're losing a lot of games and you're losing them like 47 to 42, at least it's entertaining. I mean, we're we're barely. Not, it's not even that we're not putting up a fight. I think you could maybe make that argument for this Wisconsin game, but like Iowa, other than like we put up a fight, but like there's no fireworks, there's no explosion, there's no. It's it's a it's a boring offense. It's not you know the 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 really exciting times that we've seen with Northwestern football in the past or, or that you see across other, you know, corners of college football. And it's, it's not enjoyable to watch. It's, I mean, it's, it's funny when at the start of the season, obviously, you know, we were so bullish, right. I picked, you know, 10, 10 wins. You guys picked, I think nine wins. Right. And then we took so much flack from that, but it's like Vegas had Northwestern winning either six or seven six, games. Six this and a half. Season. I think. Yeah. Right. Uh, Northwestern has led at any point in three games this season. I mean, it's, it's, and yet to your points, guys, it's like we talked about that where it's like the 16 in 2019, 2020, 2021 combined, 16 losses and counting. Northwestern has led at any point in one of those games. So, right, it's not even. That was the Purdue game that we lost uh, at the buzzer, right? Exactly. And it's like, it's not even like the proverbial gut punch game. You know, we, we were talking about that when we talked about Iowa. No, it's just Northwestern immediately gets behind, is never in the game, and that's it. And that's like when Scuzz talks about boring, it's just like a game we're never in. And it's, it just, yeah, it, it absolutely sucks. And it's, it's been really rough. And I think there, I mean, there, there are a couple pieces. Scuzz talks about next season. We talked about it a lot last week about you know starting to look forward and thinking about everything we've got to fix and you know I have a a couple of different things that are kind of messing with my brain and things that are kind of eating at me one of the things and and, you know talking about things we tweeted we talked about this we mentioned it in a tweet and then later Louis Vacare you know doubled down on it in great depth and great excruciating detail just how horrible the quarterback situation has been since Really, I mean, since Clayton Thorson signed his name on the line that is dotted, right, and and committed and came to Northwestern, um, quarterback recruiting and quarterback development and everything has just been a total disaster. Um, and 
there is some bad luck mixed in that. I think, you know, I mean, Scuzz, you know, we were talking about it and, you know, we, we brought up Aiden Atkinson. And again, that's a horrible situation. The less said about that, the better relative to Northwestern. But you have things like that. But then you have, you know, Northwestern missing on two. Well, again, and it's like, we don't want to just like drive the bus out of town on Ryan Holinsky. It's just as a Northwestern fan, you can't help and look at this and just draw all the personal parallels to Hunter Johnson because it feels like we're, you know, going around the same track again. And then you have the fact that, you know, if either Brendan Sullivan or Carl Richardson develop as a quarterback and really show out on the field and win a bunch of football games, they'll be the first Northwestern recruited quarterback to do that in seven years. And that's if these guys do it. And if not, then the count goes on. Um, seven years, eight years, nine, like how long is it going to be? Because Clayton Thorson was the last Northwestern player um, t- to do it. So it's it, it's deflating. And, and I think there's that piece where it's like the kind of keep it simple, stupid piece and be like, look, if Northwestern was getting outstanding quarterback play, if we had Peyton Ramsey for another year, maybe a bunch of this is different. And maybe that creates some sort of cascade effect. But at the same time, to say that would be to ignore everything else that has happened in every phase on both sides of the ball at some point this season. Um, and this is a team that's just a mess all over and it's got so many things to work out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, you, you mentioned some of our preseason prognostications, like we're, we're always going to be bullish on this team folks. Fair. If you don't like that, like go somewhere else for, for, for your Northwestern football chatter. Like it's just, it's just who we are and it's, and it's, it's how we're going to roll. But I, at the same time, like, we were pretty clear, and we said if Hunter Johnson or whoever plays quarterback throws a bunch of picks, like this offense is going to be bad. If we turn the ball over, this offense is going to be bad. Well, guess what? 12 picks on the year to go with 12 interceptions. In my book, that's a lot of interceptions, yeah. and that's really bad, and the offense has been poor because of it. We were concerned about the running game. We we did not see the defensive train wreck that was the first five games of the season. That is coming for That is for sure. Um, and and the running game problems that have persisted uh, in, in with our linebackers, you know, like I think we're all kind of confounded by why this is still a problem. But um, at the same time, like we've we've seen rough situations before, and I think like like the thing I want to point out that kind of dovetails with that story that you that you told John regarding the quarterbacks, like part of the part of the sad tale of the tape is so. Atkinson gets arrested uh, or charged or whatever, whatever, whatever um, exactly happened legally, and is obviously no longer a Northwestern uh, football recruit or target. Um, we go after Kale Millen. Millen commits, which results in Holinsky committing to South Carolina shortly thereafter, and then Millen decommits, and we're out of quarterback prospects. And I think. A lot of people would immediately say, well, we've got Holinsky and what, like, why, you know, whatever. But the reality is, is when you get a guy and you're developing him from day one, it's a different experience than when he goes somewhere else and bounces around and comes back to you. And I just like, I think that's important because like we've seen three, three transfer QBs now, five, if you want to include CJ Bechet and Zach Kustak in this conversation, uh, but three, three transfer QBs in, in the recent Fitz era here. And we're, we're, or one one for three at this point. That does not mean that Helinski can't continue to develop. Um, I think if you break down his stats, look at how he performed when Stefan Robinson was healthier earlier in the year. They look a heck of a lot better than they have the last three or four weeks. Um, I realize that I'm splitting hairs when I even say that, but uh, like this is a big problem. And whether it's you know the lack of leadership, the changes at the offensive coordinator position. Um, what, whatever it is, something's broken and, and Northwestern has to figure it out and has to fix it because like we expected when Bajakian came aboard that this offensive approach would go away and it, and it kind of did a little bit last year, but Northwestern still ended up in what the nineties, I think, uh, plus last year. Real low. I mean, that's, we can't, that's not a formula for a winning football team. And I, and I realize we're in the big 10 West and you know, this team is built to play with Iowa and built to play with Wisconsin and built to play with Minnesota, but you've got to find another gear on offense. You just have to. And 
we, I mean, Mike Bajakian has a track record. This is not like the Mick McCauley and, you know, we're, we're, we're calling back, you know, eight, 10 years ago since he last put up a dynamic offense. Like Bajakian has done this in multiple different places. And, you know, we said at the time that Bajakian got hired, we wondered how much Fitz would let him do him. And I'm not in the room. I don't know the conversations. I don't know what they're, you know, talking about or not talking about or, or who's calling what shots, but it's hard to not look at the approach that Fitz takes strategically, philosophically to his football team and not look at this year and think, well, this, this reflects Fitz to a T and if the execution was better and the quarterback play was 5% better, would we be in that six and six range? Probably. And Fitz would probably be fine with it. And, and I mean, we probably wouldn't be that upset with it. And that's just, I don't know that that's ever going to change. And and like, and I'm not trying to like say we should get rid of Fitz necessarily, but it is interesting. There's this sea of anger from Northwestern fandom and not eight, what, Eight ten months ago, we were all freaking out, literally all freaking out that Fitz was going to go to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought this up because it's it's the larger issue that I think for all Northwestern fans, but especially Northwestern diehards, kind of hangs all over this. And a lot of it hung all over the 2019 season, and now it's kind of different, different strokes, but the same kind of thing. So a lot of you listening, right, I mean, I think there is a huge percentage of our listener base that is like, Mike Bajakian hasn't produced a good offense from the second he stepped foot on Northwestern. You guys have been too easy on Mike Bajakian. There's another percentage of the fan base that thinks uh, the same thing, that like you've been too easy on Jim O'Neill. This offense was a mess, and even when they quote-unquote got it together, they're still a mess. Look, like, I'm, like, we hear you. There is tons of sense in both of those arguments, right? And then there are people who are going to extend this and be like, look, look at the way the linebackers were early on in the season, right? Um and, you know, and problems that honestly in parts of the linebacker core never went away and existed all year. Um, and now we're looking at more turnover in that unit. And like, you're going to hang some of that on Tim McGarrigal, you know, like where's where's the accountability here? And we've been as big Kurt Anderson, you know, supporters as anybody. But there's a huge portion of the fan base being like, look, these are all big offensive line recruits. These guys. And of course, you guys all know we were huge proponents of this offensive line coming in and have kind of beat the drum for them that they're at least against the pass kind of gotten a little bit of a bum rap. And if they had a quarterback behind them that could hit the broad side of the barn, right. And not throw interceptions, those numbers would probably look even better, but there's no doubt that it hasn't come together, especially against good defenses against the run. And there are a lot of people be like, well, why don't you got to hang that on, on Kurt Anderson, right? So you gather all these things up and I was kind of thinking about this and, uh, I thought about it, and I, it, it was kind of funny, but at the same time, it's true, too. And I think it, it kind of crystallizes what not only what we're thinking, but what a lot of you are thinking, right? So you've got, what is it now, like 130 college football teams in the FBS. And across all those 130 teams, just about all of them, right, you could characterize as, like, democracies in some form or other, right? Like, you've... You've got some that are these perfectly working, wonderful democracies and some other that are some really shady wheels falling off democracies. But the bottom line is you've got your quote unquote elected officials, right, who are at the whim of the populace. And those elected officials either perform or they don't perform. And if they do, they stay. And if they don't, they're out, right? Can, can I just interject of, that this is the most Northwestern analogy ever? Yeah, seriously. Yeah, well, uh, so. Carry, carry on. I, I, I'm not done yet. So the, so, right, so. And there, but, and, and the rest of it is just at the whim of the fan base, right? I mean, you've got this particular season, right? You had a bunch of coaches, you had Texas tech can their coach with a winning record mid season, right? So there's all of that. So that's almost all 130 teams, nearly all of them. And then there's Northwestern and all the rest of these are, are let's say democracies. We are Arendelle. We are like a Disney fiefdom. We all wow. we all love wow. the mo- we all love this monarchy that we exist under. We all would go to war for this monarchy that we are under, right? We deeply love our monarch. Um, 
we would totally go to bat for our monarch, right? We don't want another monarch. Our monarch doesn't want to go anywhere else. Our monarch is not like, it's not like an elected thing where it's like first Congress and then Senate and then presidency. Our monarch wants to be right where our monarch is right now, right? But our monarch also and, doesn't understand the and, basic and, principles and, of foreign trade. And, and just like in Arendelle, we are at times a little worried and discouraged by the powers our monarch has. And that wow. this is this is what I would say, right? Again, we would we will happily in a second pick up that Arendelle banner and take it on down to Weasel Town and go to war, right? But the bottom line is, right? If Princess Elsa makes a giant snowman in the middle of Arendelle and that snowman falls over and smushes a kid, ain't nothing going to happen. Princess Elsa's still... It, things Things are staying exactly the same. How long have you been workshopping I, this analogy? I, I thought about this and I was like, I, it, it, it's too crazy, but it's too perfect. Oh, and this God. is And this is like, this is where we are. We are in this like Disney fiefdom, right? Where it's like, when the wheels come off, they really come off in 2019 and now and at any other program. Like, and this is the thing because Northwestern fans are going absolutely crazy. Bajakian's got to get canned. Jim O'Neill's got to get canned. Position coaches have got to get canned, right? None of that is without reason when you have a season like this. The difference is, at all of those other schools, there would be the full expectation that was going to happen. And at, in, you know, in our little fiefdom, at the end of the day, what Fitz wants is what Fitz gets. And I think there's that piece where it, it, it's so hilarious to think about, right? Where it's like, for example... Jim O'Neill, head of the list, right? Like, you're, you know, we've tried as best we can to illustrate this upward trajectory that we feel has mainly gone on in the defense. But then you've got quotes from Braylon Allen in this game being like, after the first couple carries, it didn't seem like they were trying to tackle me. So then I just like had a field day. And it's like, man, does that sound absolutely brutal. But it well, hit. I, I, I just want to jump in on that because we, we talked about this at the beginning of the year. And I think. As bad as as O'Neill was to start the season, and as we've pointed out, there there are things that there's improvement from certain players that that you can certainly point to and say whether it's position coaches or O'Neill or whatever, like the defense has gotten better. There's also still some glaring problems on the defense, and like and, I don't feel great about oh, O'Neill as and, our DC going forward. But here's and, the thing, like. Anybody who thinks that he's going to get fired at the end of this season, you are just setting yourself up for disappointment. Oh, it's oh, this, not going to happen. Well, well, this is exactly what I'm saying, right? I mean, because your point is absolutely right. Like, we're looking at a ton of turnover on the defensive line, more turnover yet again in the linebackers. Maybe, and I hate to say it, we lose Bijo, right? Um, I, 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 would, and, I would say that's probably likely. Yeah, yeah, I, right. I, I would but, just set the bar low, folks. Sure, like. sure. But, but here's the thing, right? Because Scuzz is absolutely right. But stop for a second and be like, think about how weird it is to fire Jim O'Neill for performance when performance is kind of not the reason he was hired. Like, why was he hired? Like we've yeah, we of, still don't we still don't know, do we? <laughs> like we've kind of gone over this from all directions. There's no performance you can point to, right? It wasn't for scheme. It wasn't to bring in the 3-4. So it's like, again, this is Arendelle. Ultimately, Fitz got his guy. And we, again, we do not Prince live in... Hans of the Northwestern defense. Yeah, we don't live in this place. Sorry, like, I'm just steering into it now. Oh, oh yeah. it's and, and again, it's like, it's not a negative most of the time, right? Well, everyone else is chucking, you know, while everyone else is throwing coaches away at the drop of the hat. Meanwhile, the coaches are always angling a better job somewhere else, etc. We are in our Disney kingdom where Fitz doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to be at Northwestern forever, as far as we can tell, right? He's never given us any reason to believe otherwise. He's like so big on selling what is unique about Northwestern the best things about our program that make it different from every other program, right? And 
these are the things that we all love because we all feel the exact same way. Any Northwestern football fan will get up on that stump and talk forever about how, like, yes, we do do it differently than everybody else. And no, that is not BS. It really is true. And that whole thing about four years for the next 40 years, that might be a lie at every other school. It's not a lie at Northwestern. We're really doing it, right? And in exchange for that, we accept, we just kind of grit our teeth and bear the fact that Fitz gonna do what Fitz gonna do sometimes. And to Scuzz's point, like, you're all waiting for O'Neal to be out the door or, or Bajakian or whoever, and it's like, you shouldn't expect any of that. Yeah. Well, I, it, there's an interesting angle, and I, 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 I wish I remembered who emailed us about this before the season because this was a really salient point. And it was, think, it was talking about coaches who have failed at one school and had to go to another school and reinvented themselves and done well there, right? Like, you could look. You could look at Lane Kiffin as an extreme example who failed in multiple, many places, made everyone angry. Ed Orgeron too. Ed, Ed Orgeron is another right, but um, but because of the um the Arendellian fiefdom that we that we operate in here, to use your your uh, your phrase, John, um, like Fitz. Fitz is really not at risk of losing his job. I don't. I don't. I don't think anyone would suggest anyone realistically would or could suggest that he's on the hot seat, right? Like it's just like, no, and that's sure. The thing, right. Garg might apply some pressure. Um, and there might, you know, I, there could be converse, tough conversations, those sorts of things, but Fitz is not at risk of losing his job and for good reason. Right. Um, but how does someone learn and grow and develop when there are no consequences? Um, and I think, what we're seeing in some ways over these last three or four years when assistants have, have started to leave the Northwestern program for the first time. I remember when there was that, that, that mantra and that said of like the most consistent, like, like we've had the same coaching staff for eight years. Yeah. And of course, North, all Northwestern fans were like, well, God damn it. Fire Mick McCall. But um, at the same time, it was seen as a sense of pride of like, it's a stable place. Come play here. Position coaches really matter to players. It's the coach that they interact with the most. This is a boon for recruiting. It's a boon for stability. Frankly, it's a boon for a team that executes exceptionally well year after year and doesn't have a lot of penalties, doesn't have a lot of mistakes. Well, since that time, we've seen Randy Bates move on as a linebackers coach, I think, to become what DC at uh, at Pitt. Um, you've seen uh, uh, Jerry Brown retire um, with accolades uh, as as he should. You've seen Mike Hankowitz retire with accolades as he should. You've seen you know Matt McPherson shift from uh, the offense to the defense. We've brought in Tim McGarrigal, um, Jeff Jenick on the special teams side. Like you've had a lot of movement in the coaching staff the last three years, plus both coordinators changing over. For every single one of these hires, Fitz has dipped into the pool of former Northwestern player and or coach. And I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily, but much like Fitz had to learn how to let go a coach that he had been very loyal to and and vice versa in Mick McCall, he is going through the growing pains of figuring out how to build a staff Um, and to do it in, in a much more like fast turnover world that is more typical to college football than what he's had to deal with previously. And like, and I don't say that to give him, you know, like to wipe it away or say, Oh, it's just fine. It's just growing pains. But to, to try and put a point on explain like why it's been so jacked up these last three, four years. And we have two like basement finishes and two big 10 West titles. One thing I'm, I'm going to be really interested in this off season um, is what part Derek Gregg has to play in all this. I mean, we, we've been mm-hmm. we've been operating under the, the Fitz and Jim Phillips regime uh, uninterrupted for for how long now? I mean, Sp- it, speak of stability, right? Yeah, I mean, like that, like that has been what's in place. Phillips is gone now. Derek Gregg is in. We haven't seen him have to make any big, you know, f- at least forward facing decisions at this point, right? Like he hasn't had to fire a coach. He hasn't had to. I mean, he's only been on the job for a few months. Um, you know, we've got this gorgeous new stadium, uh, you know, in in the horizon. You know, not not too far off. Uh, so, you know, he he's been on the forefront of that. But you know, we haven't seen him, and we haven't seen 
his interaction with with Fitz or with any of the coaching staff. And who knows what that's going to look like? I, I have no idea. Will he come in and say, we need to make changes and here are the changes that we need to make? He's the athletic director. He absolutely could do that. Will he say, Fitz, this is your program. You do what you need to do. You know, the way that Phillips did forever. We Maybe. We don't know. And I'm going to be really, really interested to see how that uh, how that plays. I I'm not going to disagree with with what you said there, Sammy. Like I'm going to be interested too. But at the same time, like, don't we think there are bigger forest fires out there? Like I realize football drives the bus, um, but given that Fitz is in the role he's in, like if 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 I'm the AD, which I will never be, but if I'm the AD, I'm looking at the situation in men's hoops. And I'm looking in the situation in terms of just like campus relations. Um, and I'm probably earmarking those as more important than the football program in terms of like, in terms of like tire fires. No, you're, I mean, I think you're right. And it all logically follows at the same time. I think we're all stealing ourselves for no chances and then kind of running this mess back for another year. And then where are we? Right. Because I think, that's where we're what we're all kind of girding our loins for right now. Um, I mean, it's, I mean, to, to bring it all the way back to the, to, quarterback play, right? I mean, I, I mean, after Marty threw the three picks and was replaced by Halinski, I mean, I, we talked about the fact that Halinski's accuracy can come and go, but, I mean, it, it's fallen off a cliff. Like there, I mean, he he's just not locating right now. Um, I mean, it almost kind of, in a way, is almost like almost like a yips kind of thing, where it's gotten worse for like five or six consecutive weeks, and and he, then you're he looking. Was, he was he was really good against Nebraska. That was the high point. He was de- decent against Ohio. Rutgers has started to fall off, but remember that second half, right? Robinson got injured, and he, or I'm sorry, the second half against Michigan is when Robinson got injured. So um, that's when it really fell off a cliff. Right, and since then it's just for whatever reason it, it, it's gone, and it, it you saw in this game that it's not coming back. So I mean, again, furiously knocking wood, and if not, maybe we have something in Carl Richardson, maybe we have something in Brendan Sullivan. But again, it's like this is a team that has a ton of turnover on the defensive side of the ball going into next season, and you fold these two things together, and it's just like oof. I think the other thing that's causing a lot of consternation that you can't help but not roll in to this perceived fact that as bad as things have been this year there won't be changes is the Trevon Howard situation and people's people's fear over future decommits right um Trevon Howard was committed to Northwestern um as a safety uh, a, a very highly regarded safety we might add right and then decommitted and when he decommitted my thought was well He's got a Michigan offer, and Michigan's up right now. So, you know, Wolverines being what they are, you know, that you could see how that would flip. It sucks for us. And then he committed to Iowa State. And Iowa State is, I mean, again, no shots but shots. We're talking about Northwestern, and we're talking about Iowa State. I'm not talking about football. I'm talking about everything. We're talking about Northwestern and Iowa State. And it would be one thing— if Iowa State was setting the roof on fire, this team is six and four right now, right? They had a great season last year. So did we, right? So you can't help but look at something like that and be like, this is as much about Northwestern as it is about Iowa State. And that's disconcerting, right? And you hope that the dam holds from this point on. But you hope, because again, you're like, we've got Brandon Joseph right now. You've got, you know, Northwestern safeties, there's a proud line in tradition here, right? Even recently that Northwestern can point to and that a safety would be decommitting now when he could potentially be like, Brandon Joseph's going to go on to the NFL and I'm going to fill that role. It's very worrisome. So again, it's like a lot of people are looking at that and it's like, okay, so if the Northwestern fan base feels something about, you know, a lack of change in the face of a real mess. How do recruits feel about that? Right. So uh, again, it's, it's, it's a lot and ain't none of it good. And, you know, especially when you have like a two year, no home field thing that you're recruiting as well now. Right. I mean, it's a great point. 
like that that is that's a big hiccup you know you got you're going out to try to recruit guys saying we're going to be playing maybe in soldier field um you know that's a ways away like that's a ways away from campus um you know you, you think that you know no one you know it it's hard for Northwestern fans to to get to Evanston. They're, they ain't going down to Soldier Field, right? Um, well, I, I think they. To to your point, well, Northwestern if, fans if it, aren't to watch this team. I mean, to watch a team that's playing this way, you're probably right. And yeah, it's a spiral. You're envisioning these things, right? So I I just want to offer a brief counterpoint, and please, and, please, and I don't. Please do. <laughs> like, I don't disagree with anything that you brought up, John. Like, it it is worrisome, and especially when you like when you look at the success that Northwestern safeties have had. <clears throat> excuse me, and the fact that Ibrahim Campbell and Godwin Igwebuike are both are both still playing in the NFL. Like, Jr. Pace got a look. He might even be still be with still be on the practice squad with the with the Falcons. Like, the strength of the secondary, the strength of the defense. Like, this is. Greg Newsom, right? Like, like this is not like we can recruit guys that have pro aspirations in the secondary, which is a problem that, you know, go back 10, 15 years that we couldn't really do. Um, but here's the thing. So Trevon Howard is, you know, listed as a Florida safety because he played at IMG Academy last year. This dude's a Minnesota native. On his recruiting trip to Iowa state, he hooked up with one of his old teammates from high school who was his um who was who was his host so like that like it's really hard to parse a single guy's decision that's your fair it's fair i i fully understand the reaction and and why we're parsing it that way i totally get it but much like when when ecu leota transferred in the last year right 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 right. it's kind of like what like I, i mean we don't really know and you can dig and dig and like, I don't know, maybe being from Minnesota, maybe he couldn't give two shits about being in the Midwest and doesn't want to be anywhere close to Minnesota. I know like I want a healthy distance between myself and the frozen tundra. Um, so like, like that might not be why, but, um, there's just, there's so many things you can point to with one guy. I think, I, you know, I think in a similar vein, a lot of people are really anxious about the transfer portal at the end of this year. And, and like, Yes, this is a new wrinkle in college football. It makes it a lot easier for guys to leave. Guys could leave in the past, and they did. I think the the value of a Northwestern degree, the fact that different things matter to different kids, it's not all about winning a conference championship or a national championship. Um, there, there are a ton of, like, th- that relationship with the position coach is is immense. Um like everyone you've like who's ever been interviewed about this talks about how important that relationship is to both recruiting and retention. So I just, I just want to pump the brakes a little bit on, but you know, much like at the end of last year, this, you know, kind of sky is falling. Cause all these guys are leaving. Like it, it, it did not portend that Fitz was going out the door. Um, maybe it portended some concerns about the state of the team. I don't know, but like, I just, I I'm, I'm hesitant to go there quite yet. I, I, Although I, think, I understand, I, I understand the reflex. I think you're a hundred percent right. And I I'm right there with you. Like we need to wait and see like, yes. Will guys transfer? Probably. Will we bring in transfers? Probably. I mean, it, it goes both ways. Yes. Yes, see, exactly. Like, you know, for, for every Echoliota that leaves, Stefan Robinson comes in like the transfer portal is a, it's a two-way street. It's not just a stargate to nowhere. <laughs> Giveth and taketh away. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will say, though, that uh, our, our rose-colored bona fides are sterling. No one has ridden... No one has sat on what the, the, the stern of this sinking ship longer than the three of us had. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just saying if, you know, I, I like, I like to think that we're like, yes, we are, we are, we want to be positive and optimistic at the same time. We're also pretty pragmatic. And I, like, I want, like I, I point to the coaching stuff. Like would I fire Jim O'Neill tomorrow. I don't know. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to worry about it. Right. We could sit here and rail about it nonstop. I mean, it, it took us a long time to get to that point with McCall in part because, um, 
the the two seasons prior to him getting finally let go, like Northwestern won 10 games and we were like, folks, I know you don't like the offense. We don't like it either. It ain't changing. Like deal with it. So I like, that's, that's part of my MO here is like, we're going to lose guys. There's more movement in college football now than there's ever been. And that will continue to be the case. But to your point, Sammy, some of it's going to come back to us too. And, and, it, and it's, it's not some, you know, death knell return to the dark ages return to you know uh 1999 or something yeah and i mean i guess with every negative a positive or whatever i'm like you know again some of you might be sitting there being like well like if the quarterback play has been the way it is this season and brendan sullivan and carl richardson no 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 last year evan hull and cam porter didn't play so there's like again it's like Sometimes yeah, yeah. our our staff just rides certain guys. So do you guys do you guys remember when the Dowell tw- twins decommitted? Yeah. Yes. What year was that? Was that like I feel like that was right after the um because weren't weren't we recruiting those guys in the wake of the bowl win? That sounds or right. What, I'm I not think exactly that's right. Sure. Yeah. Or or maybe it was later. Maybe it was more like 2016, uh, or tw- maybe it was 20. He was 2014 going into 2015, and there was like this, like, oh man, like four-star recruits are bailing on Northwestern, and yeah, we got you know Justin Jackson and Clayton Thorson, but we're never going to get four stars again. And like, like there are natural ebbs and flows in this in this world, and we're not we're not in that that stupid Texas air yet, right? Where where you really need to worry about this? It's much. I mean, Howard was a three-star dude, and we were all really excited about him, but there are other guys. And if he's, if, if Northwestern is not going to be the right fit for him for whatever reason, like that's fine. And I wish him luck and I wish him well, but um, there's other guys that are going to have good opportunities and, and can perform at a similar level or better. Yeah. But again, it's like, kinda... I, mean, I'll, I mean, I'll take Greg Newsom over those dowels any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Well, for sure. The, but I suppose, I guess to put a bow on this, <laughs> <laughs> it's like here here we go we're playing out the stretch now right i mean we got this wrigley game that we've all been looking forward to for so long just to finally be back in wrigley and not getting the trip to wrigley that any of us wanted I, um, ironically much like the last trip yeah to yeah that's mm-hmm. true like you know, yep. the the cloud of the person injury was was over that trip to wrigley um this is just a cloud of a stinky season I mean, uh, the, the, the height of Gallo's humor is to be like, we took Evan Watkins into Wrigley 11 years ago. Is he still available? Can we get Evan Watkins back? No. Just yeah. no. Any of our any of the three guys we have are way better than Evan Watkins. I, here's hoping. Um, the, the, hey, hey, that's super back Evan Watkins to you. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Fair, fair. Um, so, and then, and then playing out against Illinois, right? Where I sucks to say but if illinois plays out this sun you know this saturday then we may be playing against an illinois team that's playing for a bowl so it's it's it sucks we just got to play out the stretch now and hope that we see signs from individual guys or individual players really hope that some of the guys who are going to play key co- you know key roles next season start to get some run right um and and we'll just see right but but it sucks i think finally we're all reaching the point where we're, we're turning the page and we're being like every, you know, whatever comes out of these last two games is seeds for next season. And, you know, that's just the world we're in. Well, maybe just to briefly talk about Purdue specifically, yeah. right? Like, so I think, I think the big concern that you brought up earlier this week, John is, and, and, you know, we've talked about this vis-a-vis Minnesota and we've talked about this um, regarding Duke, but against teams that are, susceptible to being run on we don't tend to run a lot probably in part because they're loading up the box because they don't don't, don't think our qbs can beat them and Purdue's a team that we should run on and run often oh yeah and it's a big question mark as to whether or not we're going to see that yeah again it's like here's hoping that's what that's what you want and purdue again is one of the best defensive ends in the conference again the performance of Northwestern's offensive line against the pass is somewhat overblown, I think, from a negative perspective. I think, again, people continue to have misconception. If our QBs were locating and not throwing tons of picks, right? Um, and it's true. Like, coming out of well, Iowa... Well, not, not missing not missing second on second and eight or second and six. That's part of the problem, right? 
is that on, on, on pivotal downs, first and second downs, we're, we're missing passes because we're being inaccurate, and that puts us in really rough third down situations where it's a hell of a lot harder to pass block on third down when it's third and long. Absolutely. But even if you, and even if you throw the gofs in uh, to, to the group, Purdue's probably the best, the worst run defense we've played in like five weeks. Like, they're much more on par with Rutgers than they are with any of the last four teams we played, including Minnesota. They're great against the pass. And they're, I mean, this, what they do on the other side of the ball is a whole different ball of wax. But yeah, yeah. and, and that, that's kind of my biggest concern is, like, if we get down big, you know, if, we're, if we're down two or three scores, we're not going to be able to run the ball. We're going to have to try to pass the ball to, to get back into it because, you know, you, you know what – we hope happens is we get a lead because then we will have a lead and you know, you could play that ball control offense when you're sitting on a lead, but like, well, not, not if you're Purdue. Well, it's fair. Well, what's, and what's crazy too is like Ohio state absolutely shredded Purdue, you know, on, on offense, but Purdue scored 31 points in this game. They turned it over twice. There's no evidence Purdue would not have scored two more touchdowns in this game if they had not turned it over. So they basically, had they not turned it over twice, and neither of those, those are both fumbles, not interceptions. You're talking about Purdue losing like 49-45, 59-45 to Ohio State. Just pure track meet football. O'Connell threw for 390, and what didn't he, what did he throw the week before? Like some ridiculous number. Yeah. yeah, so he's throwing like 400 yards a game right now. Um, and, and Bell, I mean, what can you say? I mean, he's one of the best receivers in college football. Like, I I mean, it will be really interesting to see Hampton and Mitchell on Bell. Um, I'm like, that's, that, that is one of the, like, if you're, if, if, if you're going to be watching this game and I plan to be watching this game, sadly not in person, as I was hoping, I got some family stuff that's going to prevent that, but like, that's going to be a really interesting matchup. How does Northwestern try to defend Bell, and how do they do at it? Because because Hampton and Mitchell have been pretty darn good this year. That doesn't. I'm not saying that they've been uh, mistake free, but they've been pretty darn good. And this is probably the biggest test. Would you say this is the best receivers we're going to play all year? I'm trying to go back through. And this think. is the best receiver. Um, but the, I mean, mi- you like, fold in right too. Michigan and Michigan State have. Um, their receiver cores have have been better than I expected going into the season, but like neither one of them had a guy with like like Bell's got all he's got everything he's got the he's got the size and the speed he's he's a true number one receiver that's going to go be a big time NFL guy. We haven't played anybody like that this year, and then yeah, Wright is decent, and Purdue has recruited well to that position, so they've got depth. And then the other and the other part of it too, right, is that Northwestern's not getting to O'Connell. We're just we're just not getting to him. Like it's just you just accept that now because that's what's going to happen. Um, we're not going to be. This, is this the first game we've played where? And I'm not suggesting this is going to happen. I'm just, like John. If you were defensive coordinator, is this the first game where, because of Purdue's inability to run the ball and because of the relative um, immobility of the quarterback, like? On all three downs, Northwestern can pretty much play pass and attack in that way. And but, I like so. Here's a problem with that. I, and, I I know I know if you were defensive coordinator, there are personnel changes you would be making anyway. But like <laughs> stepping outside of that. Well, let's look at this way. Let's look at it this way, Scuzz. We're probably going to play star the entire game. So that's there's that. I would. That's yeah. a change I would have made anyway. Um, the but. Here's one problem, right? And it's like I know we were like one foot out the door on on football, and, and now you know I'm going inside baseball. But Northwestern, there have been a t- couple times this season where Northwestern has shifted out of run defense, I mean out of man defense because it's killing us against the run. Now Purdue hasn't is you know is not a team that can necessarily crush us in that way right? Because they're not as, as good of a running team and they've had problems in that area. But the bottom line is when Northwestern has gone into zone, Northwestern's gotten cooked. And like, uh, like trust me, like you may be thinking, look, Cam Mitchell's had some coverage issues at times this year. He's good, but he's had some coverage issues. Rod Hurd certainly had some coverage issues. You want those guys in man 
trust me. We've had problems this year, we, and we had big problems against Wisconsin in exactly this area. When we're dropping down, when we're dropping back into zone, and we are not getting pressure with four teams, have just been carving us up, and we ain't played a team that throws like Purdue throws. So I mean, I mean, I'm like, to me, I'm like, you can play the pass, but to me, playing the pass is like, you better try to bring some heat and see if O'Connell throws a pick. I guess that's what I, I guess that's what I mean, right? Like, like being able to. Um pin your pin pin your ears back as they say and uh attack a bit more aggressively knowing the run is not as much of a threat but then of course you know a well-timed drawer screen has been a has been a bugaboo for us as well right and and i mean again it's like you want to go back to return to that fantasy land that was the first drive of the wisconsin game when we were moving the ball down the field against the number one defense in the country right and be like well if we if we can run the ball and move the ball like that against wisconsin we can sure as hell do it against purdue i mean i make no promises at this point like i mean the the positivity ship has sailed maybe i mean i guess if you were going to map out a situation it would be we stay on the field for a hell of a long time running the ball against their lackluster run defense and make it happen that way and slow the game down. But I'm, you know, I play consistently and, and mistake free and with physicality and urgency, like we did against um, Rutgers and, and, and frankly, like we, the first half against against Iowa and the first half against Michigan, like, like we, we would have a shot. Right. right. I mean, that's the thing. And it's like, I mean, and we absolutely would have a shot talent wise. Yes. This team has the talent to be right with Purdue and win this game. We haven't seen that translate into success at any point this season other than the, that one Rutgers game. So, I mean, I mean, where I'm at right now, after all, you know, after as long as we've I'm like, what's the spread right now? It's like 11 and a half or something right now. I mean, that seems charitable to Northwestern to me. I'm just like, I don't. We don't have evidence to believe it's not going to go the other way. So, again, I'm I'm thinking about this Wrigley Field atmosphere and good company and, you know, all the great people we're going to get to meet and talk to. And, and hey, we should be able to enjoy some adult beverages during the game. That's yeah. right. And, 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 and adult beverages. And yeah, there's going to be a lot of enjoying of adult beverages. That's for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, here, here we are. So it's like, again, if you're coming out to the game, it's great enjoy Wrigley. It's a rare opportunity where, you know, the only team in the country that gets this opportunity. So, I mean, that's, that's something and, and everyone should really enjoy themselves. Uh, this is normally the part of, of the pod where we would run around the conference, run around the, the country. I think we just dispense with that. I mean, other stuff is happening. <laughs> other the, stuff is uh, happening. The other stuff. Very I mean, well, like Wisconsin's in the driver's seat uh, for the West. Um, you know, Ohio State has Michigan State and Michigan left, and they've got Michigan State this weekend. That's going to be a big one. Can Michigan State recover? Other than that, you know, people are jockeying for bowl position. Stuff is happening. I don't much care right now, you know? I, yeah. Let, let's move on to some basketball. Sounds Done. good. Um, Both men and women off to a 2-0 starts. Um, yeah, I think we should – Start with the ladies, uh, you know, taking down UIC and uh, UC Santa Barbara. Um, Veronica Burton, she good. She's very good. Yeah. You should go watch her play. She's awesome. Yeah. it's What's funny about these two games, too, is um, you, you look at the first two games where ultimately the women have just cleaned the clocks of UIC and uh, UCSB. And you look across the, the the key players on the team Burton is crushing but shooting is kind of coming and going for this team you know from other positions and everything and I think you it's it's that really early reminder that for the past couple of years Northwestern has crushed it as a two-way team and the blizzard is the blizzard and that did not go away and multiple pieces of you know like a Sydney Wood, right? Like multiple pieces that were so important to that defense the past couple of years and not just Burton are still there. And then these other exciting players that are plugging in and being a part of that. So it's like the shooting is going to come, but with as good of a two-way player as there is in the Big Ten in Burton and that culture, right, that's built up and just the ability to crush teams and suffocate teams like that, this team is, you know, looking, it's, it's every bit, it's, I think we both came out of those two wins, right? Being like, 
they can definitely play better. And that's after two games that they just flattened the opposition. And what's great is, you know, we've got two freshmen starting. Uh, Jillian Brown and Kaylee Walsh, uh, both starting as true freshmen. So, um not not just starting, but like they're they're, I mean they're playing the minutes that would go along with with starters. That's pr- that's pretty interesting. Like like unsurprisingly, uh, Burton, Sidney Wood, and Courtney Shaw like rarely leave the floor, right? And are the the stalwarts. Those are the the most tenured players on the team. They were all three critical key contributors last season. Um. It's interesting seeing, you know, Walsh and Brown kind of fit in as that as that next tier. Paige Mott is right in there with them. Um, Mott had a rough game shooting against uh, Santa Barbara, but was a bit better in the next game. Still is, you know, a great rebounder, a critical component to that Blizzard defense in, in her post presence. Um, and then Kayla Rainey. Uh, getting getting a lot of run. Um, finally, this is someone who was really heralded as a as a recruit and had some some um, I think injury and health concerns. Like what like hasn't been able to play much the last couple of years. And then uh, Lauren Satterwhite, who was um, I think t- typically came in as a three point specialist last year, if I recall, or, or, or very late in games, but has been uh, averaging qu- uh, uh, a pretty high uh, minute rate these first two games in. So it, I mean. In one way, like Northwestern seems deeper than they were last season. Uh, this feels more like the you know the the, the type of rotation we saw two years ago, um, and, and maybe with a little bit more in the way of interchangeable pieces. Where it felt last year like you, like you almost had to go small ball all the time um, with the three guards. Well, you mentioned all these players like Walsh and you know it's like. These were all monster recruits. Yes, yes. The talent floor has been raised. Right, yeah, exactly. It's like Northwestern's been good for a while and has been recruiting like an awesome team for a while. And yeah, now these, they're just stacked. Right, Like just like Sam said, this is with Anna Morris out. So Yeah, we haven't seen her in two games. She's, I would assume, injured. but I, I, I believe she is. Uh, she's a little banged up, yeah. But yeah, so onward and upward for the ladies. Uh, the men are off to a two-no start as well. Um, you know, with big wins over Eastern Illinois and High Point. Um, it, it, I, I, has Pete Nance taken the next step? I think that that's the biggest question. Boo Booey is has been playing great, um, but I, I think if if Nance has made that leap to the next level, I think you know, we might see a few more W's at Walsh and I think what we, and, I, and I think what you mean by that is, I mean, Nance is the best player on the team and has the highest athletic ceiling and the most things he can do and at times has been too willing to give up the ball and too, too he hasn't been selfish enough in, in the past as a player and, and hasn't had that, that killer instinct and that willingness to just take over and go get it. And to me, that's what Nance stepping up and, and, and evolving here in, in what I think is his senior year, right. Um, would mean, um, boo has always had the confidence. Obviously he went through that really rough stretch last year where he, he, he really struggled to shoot during big 10 play, uh, seemed to finally break out of that toward the end, at the end of the year. But I think beyond Beyond Boo staying consistent and and Pete getting to the next level, like I think the most important thing for this team is to is to play with each other, and and to not fall into hero ball or kind of some of the disconnected stuff that we saw last year. Like like they'd start games and um I remember I I, I forget uh what was it that Jordan Ash always used to say like death taxes and Ryan Young um because they'd start the game and then they they'd sw- and and they wouldn't look great and they'd swap up the lineup and Ryan Young would come in and you just all of a sudden you had a much more like fluid and compatible set of players on the floor um that were more complementary and and you could you, you had the spacing so you could get the ball to Young in the post and he could score and it just like that's what we need to see all the time from Northwestern um because they don't have the lights out shooters to um, to go toe to toe with some of the other teams in the Big Ten, they they need that continuity of play, and um, and that and that um, effective you know fluidity as a team. Right. I think it's it's going to be really interesting to see as we go on. Right. Like what the actual rotation is, how things settle in. Right. Because you look and it's like against High Point, 
you had almost every guy logged, logged significant minutes, and that's with Chase Adige out. So you're talking like you're you're looking at like what like nine guys in this game logged significant minutes, and you figure you get a G, Adige back, he's going to be part of that group too. So it's like all right, so when the rubber meets the road, who's actually going to play? How much are they actually going to play? I mean, it's. I'm looking at, like, against High Point, Ryan Greer was third in minutes. Like, I mean, that's amazing to me. Like, I'll be really curious to see if that keeps up. Ty um, Berry, second in minutes in that game, and then first in minutes against EIU. Right, and you're seeing a lot of Julian Roper, too. So, I mean, it's yep. it's good. It's good to see a lot of guards playing. I think, you know, we've kind of felt that Northwestern was was kind of hamstrung with, with lineups at the top and, and not playing enough guards and not leaning on the guards. And, and again, it's, like, it's not like it's a panacea, but... You know, we'll see. I mean, you said it right off the top. Ultimately, you know, I think we all think if this team were to elevate, it would happen because Pete Nance went to the place that we've been waiting for him to go to, to for four years, right? And if he can go to that place and stay there, that will make the difference. I know there's also been a lot of excitement around Elijah Williams, uh, the transfer who came in. I forget where he came from, but um, he's he came home. Present. Evanston native. Yeah. yeah, that's right. But but where 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 was he playing before? Uh, I wanted to say William and Mary, but wasn't that Adige? Um, I have I have the link here. I should just click on his name. Um, what does it tell me? Uh, career status. It doesn't tell me where he was playing. Before. Fairly Dickinson. Thank you, Fairly Dickinson. So like, but um, he's he's had a bit of presence. Uh, he scored nine against Eastern Illinois. Um, has been definitely a presence rebounding. I think I saw um one one somebody refer to him as a um. Sanjay Lumpkin with with more offensive game um, in terms of like his style of play. And that does I mean, that certainly fills it fills a void on this team, you know, a physical defender uh, that can also do some things on the other end um, that we've been missing since Lumpkin graduated. So uh, I don't know. We'll see. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces and parts here to work with. And I think typically these Northwestern seasons start with, you know, a lot of hope in that in that vein. And then we get into Big Ten season. It's like seven guys playing and it doesn't feel great um when we're whenever we have to go beyond that so hopefully um hopefully these guys can be greater uh the the the, the sum of they can be greater than the sum of their parts um and uh and we'll see how we go one thing that i that uh we should bring up right i mean it's like plenty of creamy frosting at the start of this season right yes sir we still have new orleans we still have fairly dickinson now fairly dickinson um in somewhat recent history, I think has gone to the tourney, I want to say at some point, but this, they are, I think, 0-1 right now. They were crushed by Seton Hall early this season, so they fit the creamy frosting caliber, and then the, the Legends Classic, right, where I don't, I don't know exactly where Providence is, but theoretically, you get a shot at Georgia or Virginia there, and it's like, but, you know, plenty of creamy frosting right now, and thank God, because once that Big Ten season starts, it don't end. <laughs> Um, I, I, I think that's about it for tonight. Um, anything I, before we go, just, you know, go to Wrigley, have fun. You know, we do, we love football. It's, it's a rough go. Like I, I'm not going to sugarcoat that, but like we wait all off season for the the start of the season. So we're only going to get to see these guys play this team two more times and, you know, at the friendly confines, Wrigley Field, like, it looks gorgeous. Everything, all the, the pictures we've been seeing, um, looks like the weather should cooperate, hopefully. Um, it'll be chilly, but uh, hopefully dry. And go out, have a good time, you know? that that That's what this is all about. Yeah, exactly. We're all looking to reconnect. And again, hopefully, you know, we'll see some of you guys uh, at Wrigley. We'll be able to have some more of those conversations that have really honestly just carried us um, so, so much this season. And, and we're, we're, we're looking forward to that as much as anything at this point. I think that's, that it's been probably, I think you guys would agree, the best season ever for us by far in terms of interaction with listeners and the amount of great conversations we've had. And, you know, I think when we look back, I can already tell we're going to be remembering this season for that as much as for anything. So <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we, we, you know, can continue that at Wrigley, which would be great. Oh, the other thing we should say, right, is um, 2 p.m. Friday, 
right? Um, I don't know. Will it be on the Big Ten Network? I don't um, think so. I, I, I'm not sure if it's on TV. The, the field hockey game is, is what you're talking about, but uh, right. And follow, you know, follow us on follow us on Twitter. Follow Northwestern Field Hockey on Twitter. I'm sure when those details come out, if there's a place to watch it or an online stream, we will let you guys know because that's, um, I mean, it, it's fantastic and potentially. If things go the right way, we might have two field hockey games bookending each side of the Wrigley game. So that would be pretty awesome. Uh, so with that, we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlotpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Pirates. Email the show, westlotpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. And look for us in the West Lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. John Lacombe and Eric Skousboy and Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.